And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It is Wednesday, December 9th. It is the Wednesday leading in to week 14, and that means it is a rankings edition for the fantasy football playoffs of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Let's get things rolling right off the bat. I am Michael Beller. I am joined as I am every single Wednesday by Jake Seeley. Jake, ready for the playoffs? (laughs) I hit most of my leagues. I have a lot of buys in first place, but the worst one. Oh, Mr. Tough. No, 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 no. (laughs) Worst one, the first time in our 13-year history. Not only will I not finish in the top four for the first time ever in my home league, I missed the playoffs for the first time ever in my home league, and it was the two trades at the end of the season, as we talked on recent shows, at the end of the year to try to make the playoff run. That destroyed me. If I didn't make those trades, I actually still would have been in the playoffs. Oh man, hey man, it's gonna happen eventually. It was gonna—you weren't gonna make the playoffs in perpetuity, no matter what the league is. So uh, it, it sucks when True. it happens, but right, just rip sucks. the bandaid off, cheer for your friends, <laughs> find someone to root for, get on board with them. Got to do it right at some point. I've missed yeah. the playoffs in my home league too a handful of times. But, hey, you're uh, in the flex playoffs though, yeah. so that's good for you. Uh, and yeah, feeling good in the flex so is playoffs. Derek I, Van Riper, but Brandon's not. Come on, Brandon. I'm not. Uh, I, I tanked. Down I have a buy in that. I mean, come oh. on, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, Brandon Funston's here as well, uh, just drowning his sorrows after not making the flex playoffs. What's up, Brandon? <laughs> yes, that's it. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm drowning my sorrows because I missed my playoffs in the home home league as well. I, I think my my record this. I mean, this has been my worst fantasy season by far. I, I just a whole lot of six and sevens, and uh, in the flex league, a five and eight even. So, um, yeah, it's been rough. But if I'm going to have a rough year, might as well make it 2020. Why not right. just pile on? Real quick, real quick. I'm sorry. I know we're trying to make this 40 minutes, but I want to ask you both <laughs> these guys. No, seriously, it's a serious yeah, yeah, question because I've noticed this across because there's a lot of industry leagues we play, and I've noticed this across the the board is. Are you guys going to go into 2021 leaning more towards diversifying? Because I'm seeing a lot of carryover from teams. Like, Brandon, you said six and seven. A lot of my teams, like I said, I'm in the playoffs at all but one league, and it's a lot of the same players where I could have easily ended up like Brandon. So I just I, I want to throw that out there because I know well, people ask yeah. me this every single year. Do you try to diversify? I will absolutely because I think that's what kind of sunk my battleship this year. And I brought I had a conversation about this yesterday, and I I brought up this exact point. It was, it was thinking Mark Ingram was a value where I got him, and so I kept getting him at the same place over and over again. And Cam Akers and Cortland Sutton. Oh, I had him. Oh, he's going to be top ten. You know, there's just where a lot of guys that did not you know did not have the glass half full season that I was projecting. And I got them in a lot of different places. So there was a lot of commonality with my lineups. Mm-hmm. And at, that sucks when you have a season like this. 
Yeah, it really does. I, I never really think about that, to be honest. I just treat each league and each draft and each auction as its own thing. And if I end up with a lot of the same players, so be it. And if I end up with none of the same players, so be it. I, I never really think about that when I am uh, looking at my league, my teams across the portfolio. I just treat each one as its own individual ecosystem, which it really is, you know? All right, let's get to the show. Let's get to the show here. Uh, so we're doing things a little bit differently. We've got a lot of players, basically double the amount of players we typically have in a typical show. So we're just going to have Jake talk about one, Brandon talk about one, Jake talk about one, Brandon talk about one, and so on. But the guys know that they have the floor open to make objections. Just don't be obnoxious. Don't make them on every single player. And then if you do have an objection, we'll let you talk on that player as well. We're going to start at the quarterback position, and we are going to start with Tom Brady. Buccaneers coming off their bye at home against the Minnesota Vikings. Last time we saw Tom Brady threw for 345 yards, better than eight yards per attempt. Three touchdowns, two picks against the Kansas City Chiefs. This has been an up-and-down season for Brady. Jake, are we going to get an up in the first week of the fantasy playoffs? I think we're going to get it up for the fantasy playoffs, period. You look at the way Tom Brady's been playing. You know, there's been some down games, but Antonio Brown's really starting to catch on. But he doesn't need to be the Antonio Brown we knew. And I think some, part of that's clouding people's perception of what he's been doing. He's been a great third piece. Gronkowski's back to being relevant. Tom Brady's playing great. Maybe they don't need to have Tom Brady throw for 303 every single game because the Buccaneers team is just strong across the board. But I think that Tom Brady, put it right now, I said the Tannehill situation in the column, I said I would start Tannehill over Murray until further notice, until I see he's healthy and wants to run again. I would start Brady over Kyler Murray until I see Kyler Murray wants to run again. I think that's totally fair, and uh, I like this matchup against the Vikings. I actually like this game, period, and we're going to stick in this game and go to you, Brandon, with Kirk Cousins. Three straight 300-yard, three-touchdown games for Kirk Cousins. He has three TDs in four of his last five games. That fifth one, the slouch had to settle for two touchdown passes in that game. We know this Tampa Bay defense is a tough matchup. We know that Kirk Cousins, when things go wrong, they go really wrong. But with the way he's playing with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, can you bench Kirk Cousins or does he have to be in there? Uh, I don't think he has to be in there. Yes, you can bench him, but I think, you know, let's think about it. For a lot of people, Kirk Cousins has been a streamer. And maybe you, you picked him up for the Dallas game uh, three weeks ago, and you're like, you know, he's got Dallas, he's got Carolina, he's got Jacksonville. This is a good time to pick up a streamer and maybe run him for three straight weeks. And then you got Tampa Bay, and you can reconsider at that point. But you can throw on Tampa, and, and Tampa's given up multiple touchdown passes practically every week. They're absolutely, uh, you know, death to the run. I, I don't think they'll be completely death to Dalvin Cook, but Minnesota's going to have to throw the ball. And one thing that they've done the last couple weeks is they're letting Kirk Cousins, I hate to say it, Jake, they're letting him cook uh, <laughs> because he's had 40-plus pass attempts for the first time this year in back-to-back weeks. So, um so can he get you 250 and two touchdowns? I think that's absolutely on the table. I think I would be, you know, going into a place I feel better about him than having to maybe, you know, jump on board Jalen Hurts and, and hope that that works out well. So, I mean, I think, you know, Hurts obviously has higher upside with the rushing. But Kirk Cousins, I think, gives you a fairly safe floor at this time, especially if tight ends or if interceptions don't hurt you too bad in your league. 
Yeah, Cousins, Jefferson, Thielen, and Dalvin Cook. We love that skinny tree in Minnesota, as we talked about on Monday's show. Let's move it on over to one of our favorite uh, surprise quarterbacks this season who's actually been a little bit down of late, and that is Justin Herbert. Jake, we're going to go to you here. The main reason I wanted you to get Herbert is because compared with the consensus early in the week, you are down on him. You have him at QB9 in your very early week rankings. The consensus in its early week rankings has him at QB5. So you're still starting him, but why are you right to be a little bit more hesitant than where he is in the consensus it's what and this isn't a victory lap did not expect it to be as bad as it was but this is what i've been saying a long time about herbert and that the league was going to adjust to him the league takes time especially with no preseason uh i had brian mcfadden on my podcast that everybody name drop but no i had him on and (laughs) he you know he said the same thing about like he brought up that gronkowski was slow to come along because there was no preseason that we could see the same for antonio brown and that we see rookies struggling even at the running back position because there's no preseason so you put Pushed back everything about two or three weeks. So Herbert, like any rookie quarterback that comes on the scene, could succeed early, and they're going to succeed for a couple games. We probably would have seen the adjustment for Herbert earlier in the season, like week seven or eight, if we had a preseason. So that's the point there is that teams get filmed, teams figure out how to trick and bait quarterbacks. He just faced one of the best people doing it, Bill Belichick. But I don't think it's automatically just bounce right back against Atlanta because he had struggled against some offenses that or defenses that he should do well against. Still top 10, as you mentioned, but at this point with what Taysom Hill is doing, I think you have to play him. We just talked about Tom Brady. I'm not benching Josh Allen against Pittsburgh because of the schedule, so it's more about the fact of who's in front of him than even the fact that it's a good matchup where I do think he rebounds. Yeah, I, I, I just got to jump in and say, look, I, I can understand your sentiment, but I just have a hard time getting, you know, Herbert all the way down to nine. I mean, there's when you start looking at who might be in, I, I'm not, I don't have it in front of me, but who might be in front of him. I think I you just start named looking him. at Hill, Brady, Allen, Lamar Jackson, Ryan Tannehill. Those are the four right in front of him. Would you start him over any of those four? I would start him over Tom Brady. See, I, uh, I won't. That's fair, uh, but that's uh, I won't do that. Uh, who name the name the last two? The last Again? two uh, ta- or Tannehill and you want me to go slower this time? Yes, it was, <laughs> yes, please. It was Taysom Hill, Tom Brady, okay. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Ryan Tannehill. Uh, yeah. I mean, I might I I probably rank him ahead of Lamar Jackson too. I, I yeah. I mean. I just think that you start talking about like guys like Lamar Jackson, where they have just as big a question as Justin Herbert. In which case, you know, I will favor the matchup. And I know Atlanta looks better on paper, but they played Taysom Hill twice in the last three weeks. And they shut kind of down something. Teddy. They held Stafford to one passing touchdown. Taysom Hill threw zero in the first time. Derek Carr had the goose egg against him that we all were hoping for. That's all. They're getting defense, they're getting Brandon. better, but you're also you know I'm a big I'm a big proponent of in week fourteen you are what your numbers say you are a bit you know unless there's some you know if there's some kind of personnel change that you can point to and maybe it's Raheem Morris but um, you know Dan Quinn was kind of considered a good defensive coach as well so I don't know I just well, I, I think I think <laughs> it's, it's a good number say who you are in the last two games <laughs> Herbert sucks he's he's trash. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's, a fun, it's, it's uh, one of those games that uh, where the NFL has to just be loving the fantasy football world, which is hilarious considering where the NFL was on fantasy football 10 years ago, right? The 3-9 uh, and nine Chargers, the 4-8 and eight Falcons, 
totally irrelevant game in the NFL universe uh, outside of draft positioning, but (laughs) Justin Herbert, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, just a ton of fantasy goodness in this one. Uh, One that is actually relevant in both the fantasy and real life worlds is Pittsburgh at Buffalo. Should be a a great game. Give me the Buffalo Bills in this one, just for the record. Uh, But let's talk about Ben Roethlisberger, Brandon. Uh, He generally gets you where you need him to be, but it's never really a pretty watch. It reminds me a lot of 2019 Carson Wentz, who we said that a lot about. We said it week after week after week that it was really ugly to watch, but he still ended up the day with 267 yards and two touchdowns and ultimately gave you what you expected out of him in the fantasy world. Does Ben Roethlisberger do that again this week against Buffalo? Absolutely. I mean, look at Buffalo's not a shutdown pass defense. You look at their last, I'm just looking at their game log, the last four games. You got three 300 yard games. You got Kyler Murray throwing for 245 and a touchdown, which actually looks like good Kyler Murray numbers in, of late, you know. So, uh, and Ben Roethlisberger's throwing a ton. He's got three great receivers. And um, I've talked about this a bit, you know, in a, of, of late is that the Pittsburgh just kind of using the pass as a run. So you're going to get high volume. And I just, I don't see this game. If you have been Roethlisberger and you've been leaning on him, I don't see anything about this game that dissuades you from doing what you normally do. All right, let's move on over to Jalen Hurts. You mentioned him, other side of the state of Pennsylvania. Jake, uh, we know this is a very tough matchup against the Saints. He has friendlier-looking matchups ahead of him for the remainder of the fantasy playoffs. Week 15 is at Arizona. Week 16 is at Dallas. So you're probably not going to play him this week. Maybe he is in your decision-making process in Superflex Leagues. But what do you need to see from him in this tough matchup against New Orleans that would have you feeling decent about him in even one quarterback format for Week 15 against Arizona and Week 16 against Dallas. I'll say just look like Taysom Hill. Uh, and, and I go back to the comparison I brought up is he I want him for fantasy rushing upside. That's where it's going to be. I legitimately concerned about his passing upside. I think he's Jameis Winston mixed with Taysom Hill and the fact that don't expect 300 yards, don't expect three or four touchdowns. But Unlike Taysom Hill, expect the Jameis Winston turnovers. You just saw the best and the worst of Jalen Hurts, and that's not going to change, I don't think, as a rookie. I think he's somebody who ideally could have sat for a year, if not even longer. And I think maybe that's what they were thinking when they drafted him is maybe the Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre situation. Let's talk about Jalen Hurts in 2021, maybe even 22. But the rushing upside is Kyler Murray rushing upside. We're talking 60, 70, 80 yards upside any given week and a rushing touchdown on top of that. So if he's running without fear, if he's going to scramble, call his own number, I think he's playable as a fringe QB one with a better matchup. I still, I right now, what do I have him QB fifteen or sixteen? And it's purely on the rushing upside. I have him right, yeah, sixteen, right behind Daniel Jones. And that's a player that we think he can play a lot like is Daniel Jones. That was who I threw in as my comp in the uh, roundtable that uh, our pal Funston here put together last week when it looked like Jalen Hurts was maybe going to be getting into the starting lineup uh, soon. And here we are getting Jalen Hurts as a starter in week 14. One more quarterback. This one's for you, Brandon. And it is Mitch Trubisky. A lot of up and down to Mitch Trubisky just in these last two games and within each of those two games. One good fantasy performance, one bad fantasy performance this week. You can't really quibble with the matchup against Houston in Chicago a better matchup for David Montgomery in the run game but certainly not a bad one for the passing game we just saw this up defense give up 285 yards and a couple of touchdowns to Philip Rivers last week so I think Mitch Trubisky is in the discussion is there anyone that would raise some eyebrows that you're playing him over this week Brandon um you know I would probably play him over 
I don't know. I don't know if it raised eyebrows. Cam Newton against the Rams. I hate that matchup for Cam Newton. Uh, not sure if he can get his usual two rushing touchdowns in that one either to save his bacon. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater without, you know, without potentially uh, a couple DJ of his. Moore. Yeah. yeah, DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. Um, I would honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in this Jalen Hurts versus Taysom Hill showdown. I'm not going to play him ahead of Taysom Hill, but I think both of those uh, quarterbacks are going to struggle. You know, just with how much pressure both sides, of both of those defenses, the Saints and the Eagles bring, and it's a tough matchup for Hurts to get his first start. And I think Taysom Hill. I would going back to the Justin Herbert thing. I would not. I would not play Taysom Hill over Justin Herbert. I just think this is going to be Taysom Hill's worst uh, outing yet. And so, but I, you know, the the rushing upside is just something that's very hard to rank because um, there's just no way to really predict when when it's going to be a really huge game on the on the rushing side. All right, we've already hit on six quarterbacks here. Is there anyone we've missed? Anyone that either of you guys want to beat the drum for as someone who people should be starting in their first-round playoff matchups this week or if you're in one of those weird leagues like Brandon in a crucial last week of the regular season to get into the playoffs? Any Week 14 quarterbacks who you think need to be in matchups that we haven't talked about here and isn't you know like Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers? No, I would just double down on Brandon's and say don't be afraid to go right back to Roethlisberger after what happened. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That should be a. Uh, I think that's going to be a high-scoring game between the Steelers and the Bills. I'll make that unanimous. Basically, anyone who is fantasy relevant, we're going to talk about one of those guys a little later. I want in my lineup from Steelers and Bills. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty-four-seven U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Right, let's jump on over to the running back position, and hey, let's stick in that game. James Conner expected to make his return this week. Not official yet, but uh, all signs are pointing to James Conner being able to be active for the Steelers after missing a couple of games on the COVID-19 list. Uh, does he bring any legitimacy back to Pittsburgh's uh, to the run game in Pittsburgh's offense? I mean, we really haven't seen any of it, Brandon. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, it's been all Ben Roethlisberger short passes replacing the run game. Do we get a little bit more balance from Pittsburgh with James Conner back this week? Maybe. I mean, I just went back and looked at his game log, and the rushing numbers are better than it feels like. Being a manager of him, someone who's rostered him, you know, just looking at the game log looks better than it's felt. Um, but, you know, can he bring legitimacy back in just kind of like a mid-back-end RB2? Yes. Am I going to be pushing him even in a decent matchup? up into the RB1 range. I won't. Uh, even when he was the main guy, they were, you know, taking him away at the goal line sometimes and um, not, you know, necessarily using him, you know, a lot in the passing game. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to bring a little bit back. I don't think it's going to be a, you know, earth-shattering thing, though. 
All right, next guy up is DeAndre Swift. Very few objections so far, you guys. I think we're going to pick <laughs> it up when we get into the running backs and the receivers. DeAndre Swift, the assumption right now on a Wednesday morning as we're recording this is that he will be able to play. He's obviously been struggling in getting over uh, concussion symptoms. Uh, this is a great matchup. If he is able to go against the Packers, we have seen basically every running back, no matter if it's a game the Packers win by three touchdowns or if it's a squeaker or a game that they lose, they have lost three times this year, running backs get going against these Green Bay Packers. So DeAndre Swift definitely feels like a good matchup. You're almost certainly starting him if you have him. But how concerned are you, Jake, about the specter of Adrian Peterson stealing some goal line touches and just stealing touches, period? And mostly Bevel. I don't know what he's going to do. Everybody out there continues to say, yeah, you know, we got rid of Patricia. Everything's great for DeAndre Swift. Is it? No, we don't know what Bevel's going to do. Like, we don't know Bevel going out there. Like, you would think, well, there's a lot of reasons you could say Swift should be the guy. We've seen Swift's talent. We would say if Bevel really wants to try and get a coaching job, that he would play his best players, and that should be Swift. What if he doesn't think that? What if he thinks Adrian Peterson's the best guy and Swift is best as a change of pace option, getting seven to ten touches, like a J.D. McKissick? What if, I, I'm not saying... He should, and he'd be stupid to think that, but we've seen dumber things from other coaches in the NFL who still have jobs. So I would say, we, I just retweeted our, our boy that covers the Lions. Um, Chris Burke. Thank you. I, I was you having it. a brain fart after I, I just retweeted him, too, and I had a brain fart. I've been following him before he was even with us at The Athletic. Uh, but he said, you know, everything's positive right now. Swift, everything's going fine. Bevel said everything's going fine. But Bevel also said last week, and could be just the mispractices, that he wasn't going to get his full workload. So if it's 7-10, to 10, you still play Swift as a high-end, super high-ceiling RB2-3. slash if he's the lead option, which we hope, he's going to be in the RB1 conversation. But I don't think until we see it happen, we can put him there, unfortunately. All right, let's go to another rookie running back who it's been the usage maddening that we've uh, had this year, J.K. Dobbins. Uh, just uh, last night against uh, the, pa the the Cowboys, uh, took him a little bit while to just get involved in the game plan for Baltimore. Ultimately came through with a, uh, a useful fantasy game, 11 carries, 71 yards, and a touchdown. But, man, did you have to wait for it, especially for that touchdown. Brandon, I know that trust is a very dangerous word with this backfield. We saw Gus Edwards get going yet again, have a big game. Mark Ingram was involved. They've really shown no desire to not use all three when all three are healthy. So how good do you feel getting Dobbins in there in what is a pretty big game between the Ravens and the Browns this week? Yeah, like if I was like, I, I'm, I guess I'm feeling a little bit better. I mean, God, you don't like to see Gus Edwards getting seven touches, Mark Ingram getting seven touches, and J.K. Dobbins getting 11. What you could be heartened with is this is second straight game when J.K. Dobbins have been out here that he's been the overall lead guy, that he's done well, that they were kind of leaning on him late as they were sort of milking that game away. So trust uh, – I'm not – he's not in full circle of trust. Do I trust that he will probably be the lead – back of this offense against the Browns I do it's not a great matchup um, so I'll probably be tempering my enthusiasm in the rankings which I have not finished on the running backs it's going to be an RB2 but he's not going to be a slam dunk right in the middle RB2 it'd be a little bit more towards the back end not a lot we can draw from the first time these teams met. It was way back in week one, so two very different teams back then. 38-6, to an easy victory for the Ravens. The Browns are a much better team since that meeting, so really not anything we can take from it as we look at really either side of this one. Uh, let's move on over to Clyde Edwards-Alaire. KC burned a whole lot of fantasy managers last week by making CEH active 
and then basically deactivating him as he was active. Not a touch. I don't even know if he got a snap in that game last no. week. I have to assume he's going to be out there this week against the Dolphins, Jake, if you were able to survive that a week ago and make it to the playoffs. I mean, where's your head at on CEH going into this game? <laughs> hey, look, we all just are sitting here saying hopefully it was just a bad flu and, you know, whatever it might be. Maybe some people were thinking back to the days of Michael Jordan <laughs> really hoping for more. But I think we just like, wanted him on the field. Like, we found out he was going to be active and everybody's like, yeah, I got to take that risk because what are my options to turn to, you know, Darius Slayton? I'm going to go for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So I understand why some people got burned by him. If he's out there practicing Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, like you got to put him back in your lineup. The Le'Veon Bell performance doesn't kind of worry you too much from what Edwards Alaire would do because you didn't like the world on fire. So I would say, you know, Edwards Alaire, kind of in the Dobbins conference, actually, boom, there you go. I have Dobbins and Edwards Alaire back to back at 20 and 21. And I think they where they are down with Giovanni Bernard, who has the backfield to himself in a great matchup against Dallas, which we just talked about. The Ravens just ran all over him all day long or all night long. But David Johnson, Devontae Booker, it's long. in that <laughs> they're in that conversation. It's the volume guys that we don't love versus the talent guys with lesser volume. So I think that's where they deserve to be. All right, well, thank you for the uh, transition there, Jake. <laughs> Excellent segue to Giovanni Bernard against those Dallas Cowboys. And Giovanni Bernard has been a useful player in fantasy really ever since Joe Mixon went down. And, but the last two games have been ugly with Brandon Allen as the starter. 20 carries for 62 yards, five targets, caught four of them for 16 yards, no touchdowns. So we're talking about 78 yards from scrimmage on 24 touches without getting into the end zone. It's been ugly for Giovanni Bernard. It's been ugly for everyone on Cincinnati, save Tyler Boyd making a 72-yard touchdown out of nothing uh, on his one catch last week before he got ejected. Brandon, I mean, do you really want to get, even though we know all the good things about Bernard, do you really want to get behind anyone in this Brandon Allen offense? Yeah, and they just lost Jonah Williams, their starting left tackle. So, I mean, it's just going from bad to worse. And, yeah, I mean, I, Jake brings up, you know, CEH and J.K. Dobbins versus a high-volume guy like Gio Bernard. I'm going to go I'm gonna go for the upside um, because there's just – there's literally no upside with Gio Bernard. And, and, you know, you have to get a whole lot of touches. And we, we think it's, you know, a lot of volume, but they keep – getting down in, in these games to where he's getting hardly any rushing volume. Look at the last month. He's only had double-digit carries one time and he's not killing it in the passing game in these game scripts where you would think they would you know, want to lean on him a, a bit, but they're not really. So uh, I'm definitely pushing him down. I actually don't think I'm going to end up having him in my top 24 as an RB2. So even though it's a good matchup, I think he's I think he's just on that edge. Uh, maybe you end up having to play him because the matchup is so great and because he is the starter and people have to do that. But, man, I just don't feel good about him at all. Nah, I, I don't I don't think <laughs> – look, I don't disagree with where, you know, low end – I have him low end RB too. The only part of that entire statement that I'll disagree with is saying no upside. Just because the two games that he had with the Browns and the Titans and good matchups and back-to-back weeks, 18, 18 touches, 18 touches, 18 fantasy points, 21 fantasy points – no, he didn't rush for 100 yards, but, you know, he had about 80, 90 and a touchdown in both. That's what you're going for. So it's not top five, but I, I wouldn't say he has no upside. 
All right, well, let's move on to someone else then that uh, I think we have another difference of opinion on. That's Devontae Booker. Jake, you're going to get to take this one again, take another whack (laughs) at Devontae Booker. 16 carries, 50 yards in that starting role last week. We got into a little bit of a debate. It was me and Brandon against you on Monday. We're going to give you the floor here. Make your case once again. You are much higher than consensus early in the week on Booker. I don't think that is going to change. So make the case for why people should be running Booker back, of course, assuming that Josh Jacobs is out once again. Am I at, at 24? I'm that much high. Like, so yeah, it I really I saw comes. The consensus was uh, 34. I mean, look, uh, it, it's it's it comes down to the fact he still has 17 touches. And if you watch the game from the start, the problem was is the Jets were up early and then all the way late to the second quarter. And if you look at his usage, the uptick came when they were with the lead in the second half. So maybe you say that's going to happen against the Colts. And I would understand that counter argument if you want to say the Colts should be up early and then now you're concerned about Devontae Booker it, fine that that's the counter argument I'll I'll believe in but it comes down to again I it's the volume guys it's the Giovanni Bernard if you want to put in the same conversation the David Johnson's and all these kind of, like the volume is what I'm going for 15 to 20 touches it's a low-end RB2 I, I'm not super excited about Booker I expected more last week against the Jets uh, but the Colts are a little bit actually weaker against the run, surprisingly enough, especially of late. So I think he deserves to be in the same spot as guys who are getting 15 to 20 touches with a lower ceiling. Part of that being weaker was DeForest Buckner missing the the one game that he did miss. When uh, It's when, still overall. Yeah, sure, but it's yeah. still overall. Uh, yeah, uh, no, I'm not going to. Jake's right. And, and one thing about last week is that Jalen Richard and Theo Riddick, they were, they were completely – secondary you know they no none of neither one of them jumped out to say hey you know i can you put me in there because yeah. i'm giving this more juice so i think Devonte booker's kind of in that geo bernard uh equation just that you know the volume seems good even if the upside doesn't all right let's move on over to washington and san francisco brandon you've got a washington guy jake you've got a san francisco guy brandon mm-hmm. jd mckissick 10 catches on 10 targets, 70 yards last week, looking like Antonio Gibson is not going to be active for this game. J.D. McKissick is an easy play in PPR. He is an easy sit in non-PPR. Where does he fall in half PPR? Well, 10 catches and 70 yards is an absolute play in half PPR. Um, but, I, you know, you want you want 10 points in half PPR. That's going to push you to RB2 level. And I think J.D. McKissick, you know, maybe doesn't get 10 catches, but six catches and 40 yards receiving – and you give them, you know, a half dozen, half dozen or more carries. I think that's that's playable. I mean, maybe not, maybe not complete RB two, but it's in probably the top thirty and a flex uh, consideration at worst in my mind. So, um, I that's where I kind of have him this week. I expect to get something close to like ten fantasy points in half PPR leagues, and that's playable. All right, Raheem Mostert, the starting running back on the other side of this game, but Jake. That Jeff Wilson, thorn in our side, was very present a week ago. Seven carries for 47 yards, also had five targets. Got plenty of work, or at least a handful of touches, inside the five-yard line. Raheem Mostert had two more carries, had nine carries, turned it into 42 yards. We've said time and time again, and I think we had a consensus on this show, that the one guy you can trust in San Francisco's backfield when he's healthy, the one guy who Kyle Shanahan seems to want to play as a feature guy, is Mostert. That was not the case a week ago. Are you still comfortable with believing that Shanahan will rely on Mostert in a generally lead role? 
Yeah, why make it sound like a personal attack? Like when it's all because <laughs> I said on Monday I got Shanahan again. I said it in my column. I got Shanahan again. I I I was the sucker because we talked about it, and I said that first game use he you know Jeff Wilson was used in the first game back from Mostert, but Mostert led the way, and Mostert has led the way every look at the game log. I think that Brandon didn't you say that? Look at the game log. Look at the game log with Raheem Mostert when he's active and healthy. He is the mm-hmm. guy. Until we just got Kyle Shanahan again. And I'm just like, we joke about it all the time, but this is the truth. And I thought we finally were going to get away from it for as long as Mostert was healthy. But Jeff Wilson's use twofold is out there, more snaps. He's We knew the concern for Mostert is the passing volume because he's not going to be used that much in the passing game. But to get Wilson that much work and then also at the goal line and even not even on fourth down and like just, uh, I don't know if it's a game-dependent situation, but I don't think he can feel much better about Mostert this week. He is a high, high, high upside RB3 and facing Washington. I'm just ready for Jarek McKinnon to get two touchdowns and be a top 10 play <laughs> there anyway. You there you go. That would be the ultimate Shanahan against this week. Yep. Against After zero Washington touches. Defense. Zero touches to two touchdowns. That would be absolutely poetic in this 2020 season. Kareem Hunt, next guy I want to get to here, Brandon. 37 carries in the last three games. You like that, but just six targets in those games. And really with Kareem Hunt, we are liking him because of his involvement in the passing game. You love the 10 carries, but what you really want is 10 carries to go along with five targets. You'd even take eight carries if it's coming with, you know, five, six, seven targets. And that's what we saw last year, what we saw earlier in the year, but we haven't seen it of late. What's your appetite for starting him against the Ravens this week? Yeah, you know what? I don't think you you can look at the targets and just kind of the the passing work and it's this last month has been sort of similar to the rest of the season. The biggest change honestly is this, he has eight touchdowns and seven of them came in the first seven weeks and one has come in the last five weeks. So what you've lost from cream hunt more than anything else is just his ability to score touchdowns. And, and honestly, I've seen him get opportunities and not be able to cash them in. And I thought it was interesting this last week he failed on one and then they brought Nick Chubb in uh, to, to take him away. And a lot of times they just let Kareem Hunt be that guy at the at the goal line. So I'm a little bit worried going forward that he sort of lost that automatic role of coming in there down at the goal line. Um, but he had he had four receiving touchdowns in the first seven weeks. Doesn't have one in the last five weeks. So you're still playing Kareem Hunt because this is a team that loves to run and he's getting regular kind of mid-teens touches. But it's the touchdowns which are killing him right now. And that's, you know, we, we always say you don't chase touchdowns. Chase the volume. Um, but it'd be nice if he threw a touchdown in there. Yeah, I'm not what? gonna. I, I'm not gonna yeah. disagree. I just want to double down on this for everybody. And this is a semi-victory lap, as I've been calling him. And been somebody asked me this in the rankings, and that's why I'm bringing it up too. Is I've been considering him a low-end RB two all year, and everybody tell me I'm crazy, I'm crazy, I'm crazy. Because after those first games, but what Brandon just said, let me ask the question for everybody out there: What's the difference between Kareem Hunt, Todd Gurley? David Johnson, all those guys, they have to score a touchdown on like 13 touches. And that's why I think he's a low-end RB2. Yes, they're going to be top 10 weeks, but go back to Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman, when Tevin Coleman was doing it at the backup to Devontae Freeman with the Falcons. There was weeks where they finished one and two, but you had to play him as like a low-end RB2. Like, I'm not going to start him over Gaskin and you know Melvin Gordon and Wing Gallman, these mm-hmm. guys with the touches in front of him, despite his ceiling being higher. 
the one touchdown that he does have actually came in his worst game of the season. 13 <laughs> yeah. carries for 11 yards just a couple of weeks ago, but he found the end zone on one of those 13 carries. Uh, this is Cam Akers week, so we have to get him basically into every episode. Ugh. And Jake, you're going to get to be the guy who talks about him here. We know the numbers. We know what he's done the last two weeks. We know that some of the volume last week was aided by Daryl Henderson missing some time while he was getting his knee checked out, came back from that, going to be fine for this game. Are you ready to believe in Cam Akers? Nope. And it's not Cam Akers. Look, you would tell me the player? 100%, I believe Cam Akers, the player, is the best talent in that backfield. I also believe 100% Jonathan Taylor is the best talent. I don't believe Frank Reich. I don't believe Sean McVay. I don't believe Kyle Shanahan again. I I can't even call him Kyle Shanahan anymore. It just comes out. Uh, Like This is what we've done with coaches. And I've said this many times before, too. I'm not discounting the coaches for what they do. Similar to Bilicek for years of why we don't trust Patriots running backs. They do what gets them their wins. They don't give a damn about mm-hmm. fantasy. They don't give a damn about fans wanting to see who they want to see. They want to win a game. And if Cam Akers is the best game script this week, it'll be Cam Akers. If he thinks Malcolm Brown needs to be in there to make sure they get some touchdowns inside the goal goal to go situations, he's going to be out there. If he thinks it's a Daryl Henderson matchup, it's going to be him. So yes, I believe Akers. I believe Akers should be the lead. The missed practice on Monday, well, missed non-practice practice, mm-hmm. you know, is a little bit concerning. I think Cam Akers will be my highest. He is my highest ranked running back, but trust is a word I will never throw on any of these running backs in this backfield, unless one of them gets hurt and we're down to two. Another guy who I know you're not going to throw the trust word at is Miles Sanders. <laughs> we're going to let Brandon talk about Miles Sanders here. Another guy that we covered on Monday, but now we're 48 hours later. We can get a little bit more into the situation that we know that Jalen Hurts is the starter. Just to cover the numbers, it's been ugly. Last three games, 32 yeah. carries, 112 yards, nine targets, five catches, 22 yards, no touchdowns in his last three games. Make sure you it's tell him where I have bad. him co- compared to it's consensus. Yes, yeah, so Jake has him as, at least when I checked, you had him at RB31, which yep. is where he still lives. Uh, that's 12 spots behind the consensus, which is RB19. And even RB19 is a disaster for Miles Sanders when you consider where he was taken. So, Brandon, I know you're a little bit higher on Miles Sanders here. Make the argument for Sanders. I mean, is Jalen Hurts an upgrade? <laughs> I guess he couldn't be a downgrade. Uh, it could be an upgrade. It could be a downgrade. But, uh we also know that like Miles Sanders coming off his lowest uh, you know, percent played of snaps, and this is a horrible offensive line, and it is the number one shutdown fantasy defense for running backs in the Saints. Uh, and look at with Jalen Hurts, do they want to, you know, they is it going to be like, oh, you know what, Jordan Howard reared his head last week, and you know what, between the tackles running back with the running quarterback is the preferred option. Are they going to go the Latavius Murray route, you know, like the Saints did when they brought, brought Taysom Hill in? So there's a lot of question marks. I'm not as low as Jake at 31. Um, I, I just can't ignore the fact that Miles Sanders has that big play potential, that he's still going to be the lead guy, whatever that means. I haven't ranked in the mid-20s, so I have him right outside my RB2 range because there is considerable downside, and, and Jake is, is you know full on on that, and I'm, I'm kind of you know pushing back just slightly, but not a whole lot. You want a fun stat real quick? Yes. Last week, if you take Miles Sanders' last three games combined, he still doesn't finish as an RB1 last week. oh man and that's that's 112 uh, rushing yards 22 receiving yards five catches not an rb1 last week and that is not exactly how you want to go into the fantasy playoffs 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, guys, wide receiver time. And this was a, uh, you know, I'm going to start with uh, with DJ Chark here because I laid this out and I had, you know, Jake's name next to a bunch of players, Brandon names next to a bunch of players, and they were cool with everything except Jake wanted to talk about DJ Chark. So that was one where we flipped. So we're going to start with DJ Chark. Uh, first game last week with Mike Lennon. Two catches on seven targets for 41 yards. Silver lining is that in Glennon's two starts, the first one Chark missed with injury, he hasn't been awful. He hasn't been this total just a, a to- incompetent quarterback. He's been fine. So does this matchup with Tennessee a great matchup? We saw what Cleveland did to them through the air a week ago. Does this tempt you enough to get DJ Chark into your lineups, even with Mike Glennon as the QB? Completely, mostly because Colin Johnson, for everybody excited about him, part of the reason he hit was because of the aggressiveness of Mike Glennon. But Colin Johnson also out there for 14 fewer routes. Uh, was it thir- no, 23 fewer snaps? And that was DJ Chark's first game back, which he led in routes, targets, everything. It just didn't hit. I brought it up on Monday. That overthrow for the interception, Chark was wide open, and Chark would have had a huge day. Just on that catch, that wouldn't even have gone probably. I mean, he could have turned it into a touchdown, but we'd be talking about Chark having 80, 90 yards in his first game back, and everybody would be like, yep, fine, DJ Chark, boom. Probably some people saying put him as a wide receiver too. He's a wide receiver three because Mike Lennon's at quarterback, but he is a high upside wide receiver three that in his first game back looked great and I know it's Mike Lennon but if Mike Lennon is going to be this aggressive one of the most aggressive passers right now in the NFL he was the highest aggressive passer in 20 yard attempts downfield in week 13 I'm going to play Chark and I'm going to play him over Colin Johnson and everybody else on this team and I'm going to play him as a wide receiver three I will say that the one team where I have DJ Chark, I have a buy, and I'm happy to have a buy, so I don't have to make this decision right here. Uh, tough decision. <laughs> I'm I think playing you make a him good over argument. Devontae Parker with Tua against Ooh. the Chiefs. Put it that way. There you go. I think that's a great way. To, I love. Thank you for contextualizing. I love when we do that here <laughs> on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast, giving these you know hard, concrete answers of play this guy over that guy. Jarvis Landry, I think someone who needs to be in lineups this week, even with this tough matchup against the Baltimore Ravens. Although Jake, as you pointed out with C.D. Lamb last week, slot receivers get going against this Baltimore team. Jarvis Landry has had two great games in a row here, 16 grabs on 21 targets, 205 yards, and two touchdowns. Brandon, this one for you. Has Jarvis Landry turned into someone who you just start and don't even think about? 
Yeah, I would play Jarvis Landry over DJ Chark. I'll, I'll throw that out if you want to contextualize. But um, <laughs> yeah, I love the I love the volume. I think he's getting healthy, and I, I I was one of the biggest proponents of Jarvis Landry coming into the season. The guy's never missed a game, and he and a lot of receivers would have missed games this year because with the hip injury that he dealt with, and he broke a rib midseason. But it's looking like he's getting healthy. Jake, you know, mentioned how you, the slot receivers can do do well against the Ravens and CD Lamb. If you watch the game, he left some production on the field. Not not even just counting the one that went through his hands there at the end, but um, yeah, I, I just think look, he has kind of become Baker Mayfield's go to guy. I expect him to push double digit targets most weeks going forward, and to do Jarvis Landry things, which is typically you know five catches, sixty yards, six catches, seventy yards, and every once in a while you get a touchdown. Last couple of weeks you've gotten one in each, so yeah, things are rolling for Jarvis Landry. C.D. Lamb, next guy up on the list here at Cincinnati. Jake, we love the six catches. We love the nine targets, but just 46 yards. And that's really mm-hmm. been the story of C.D. Lamb's season since Dak Prescott uh, has been injured. You get plenty of targets. You get a decent amount of catches. But the yards per target, the yards per catch, they've been pretty low all season. His post-Dak games, when he scored a touchdown, he's done well. When he hasn't scored a touchdown, he hasn't done quite so well from a fantasy perspective. So is that how we're looking at him this week, a TD or bust sort of wide receiver three player? I think a little bit better than that. We watched that game, too. Andy Dalton was targeting the living hell out of him to start that game. And it's because, you mentioned, that's the one area you you exploit the Ravens. Get him in the slot. Get him over the middle of the field. Well, guess what? The Ravens, like as mentioned, a lot of teams, they adjusted in that game. And also, on the flip side of it, they also were obliterating the the Cowboys' defense, which pushed Dalton two directions. One is they adjusted, started giving more attention to Lamb. But also now they're playing catch up and he, Dalton started getting more aggressive and starting throwing more 15, 20 yard passes downfield. And that's where you get Cooper involved. That's where you got the touchdown for Gallup. So they, I bring that up because somebody asked me a question. Where did what happened to CeeDee Lamb in the second half? That's what happened. You had two factors push against them. If you would have had an even game script, you know, maybe they just settled into just stopping Amari Cooper the entire game. Lamb could have had a huge game. So I am still on Lamb. He is still Andy Dalton's favorite two targets. I think this just happened to be a Gallup game in the situation I just brought up. So Lamb is still going to be a high-end wide receiver three for me. And in PPR, you could even put him in the wide receiver two conversation. Couple of 49ers to discuss here, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Brandon, you're the Debo Samuel man, <laughs> so we're going to go to you uh, again for Debo here. The work came late, but still a respectable 6-9-73 line here. Does he still fall in that realm where you're almost for sure starting him unless you're very deep at this position? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, going forward, and this is going to be the toughest matchup he has uh, remaining against the Washington football team, but, you know, I'm going to have a hard time ranking him outside my top 30 wide receivers. You look at the last two weeks, 22 targets combined, 17 catches. He's just good at football. Um, you know, there's there's the upside on a jet sweep for him to do a little something as well. Um, but, yeah, I just I, I think he's just a, you know, just a solid play and, and I haven't finished my rankings, but I'm probably at least on the borderline top 30 with him this week. And like I said, this is going to be the roughest one that he has remaining. Jake, you get Brandon Ayuk, 28.6% target share over the last four games, 26 grabs, 376 yards, three touchdowns in those games. So it's not just opportunity. He is making the most of the opportunity. Touchdowns in each of the last three. The fourth game in question went over 100 yards. Production after production after production. Is he a must-start player? Simple as that. Yeah, and I'll give you the simple answer is anything. is We love targeted volume to two options, and that's what we're getting here. We're getting Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel. You love it. You start it every single week. Start them both of you every single week as wide receiver twos both of them yes 
Maybe we reconsider when George Kittle, if and when George Kittle gets back in the regular season. But until then, I am with you guys. Samuel Ayuk, easy plays. And I think this next guy, Corey Davis, also an easy play coming off his best game of the season. 12 targets, 11 grabs, 182 yards, and a touchdown. Sure, some of those catches came late with the Browns up comfortably, and the Browns not really a matchup that scares you. But Jacksonville, that's not a matchup that scares you either. Corey Davis, wide receiver, 26 on the season in half PPR leagues. Brandon, another uh, same question for you. Is uh, Corey Davis a set-it-and-forget-it starter? Look, he had a zero against Chicago in week nine. His next worst game is a 70-yard game with no touchdown. I mean, that's that's a pretty good floor. I mean, the guy has just been week in and week out. Give me something. You know, that's one of the things we hate the most in fantasy is the roller coaster wide receiver. Lamari Cooper used to be like that all the time, where he would give you like three fantasy points and then give you like 20-something, and it was just up and down, up and down. There's something, uh, you know, something very kind of heartening and assuring about a guy who can give you 10 to 12 fantasy points most every week. And every once in a while, he gives you 29.7 like he did last week. So, yeah, absolutely. Corey Davis is in the uh, circle of trust. Let's get back to the Bengals for a second here. Jake, you've got T. Higgins as your wide receiver 34 right now this week. It's been ugly for everyone in Cincinnati, as we talked about with Giovanni Bernard uh, at Brandon Allen as your starter. So why are you at least somewhat back on the bandwagon here for T. Higgins? Mostly because he's the highest upside option, and I don't know what's going on with Tyler Boyd. Maybe Tyler Boyd's okay, but even so, you mentioned it, did a ton of on a catch that should just nothing been more than a what a seven yard catch, and yeah. that just was things things the, these things happen in the NFL. If I'm picking any of them, it's Higgins. He just happens to be my highest ranked Bengals. I don't love it, but this is another situation where you know red zone options, bigger play options. Can he do more than most with three catches on this team? That's that's really what it is. I'm not as you can tell. I'm not super excited to start T right. Higgins, but he would be my number one. All right, let's stick in the AFC North and go to a guy who uh, may be a little too late but is starting to achieve some of that preseason upside. Marquise Brown, eight targets and a touchdown in both of his last two games. This is a matchup with the Cleveland team that gave up the aforementioned big game to Corey Davis. A.J. Brown had himself a decent game there, too. Could be a game that plays to high scores with uh, these two offenses uh, certainly looking a little bit better of late. Is Marquise Brown, Brandon, maybe sort of kind of back enough to play him <laughs> as a wide receiver three? I like the maybe sort of kind of. Uh, that kind of <laughs> that kind of says it all. Um <laughs> You like the the eight targets in each of the last two games. Obviously, his best game was with Trace McSorley, and if you watched the Dallas game, you saw that his touchdown came on basically a schoolyard scramble where he right. broke off his route and it just, just decided to improvise. And there was a, some degree of difficulty with the pass and, and kind of the catch there. And in the end, he still ended up with 39 yards. So... I, I joke with uh, a friend of mine, Brad Evans. We've been calling him downtown Yuma instead of Hollywood uh, because <laughs> he's been bad. And now we're trying to find that place between Hollywood and downtown Yuma, which uh, someone told us was Beaumont, California. So we're calling him Beaumont Brown now. He's sort of working his way back towards <laughs> Hollywood, but he's still got a long way to go. <laughs> Beaumont Brown. Everyone likes a little bit of alliteration. That is yeah, uh, exactly. except for maybe Hollywood in this case. Uh, Marvin Jones. I've got a, a couple to issue. You guys were right from about a month ago. I was wrong. This guy basically gives you a wide receiver three floor, and when he pops for a touchdown, he's a wide receiver two. Jake, you like him to get to that level against the Packers this week? Nope. And one of the questions I get a lot of is like, ooh, you seemingly have Marvin Jones low for the sound that Kenny Galladay already today is not practicing again. You know, maybe he does come back. But this is with no Kenny Galladay in my rankings. Why? He's getting Jair Alexander. Like, that 
let's again slap respect on the name. Pretend he's Jalen Ramsey. Would you want to start Marvin Jones as anything more than what I have him as a wide receiver three with T. Higgins and Marquise Brown, or would you just call him Beaumont Brown? Uh, like that <laughs> range of guys. Because yeah, he could score a touchdown, and yeah, he. You mentioned it. I'm not saying like, oh, look, you you, you were wrong, but you mentioned you were wrong because he's been hitting, he's been getting the touchdowns, he's been like kind of a number one for them, playing as a wide receiver two in fantasy. But starting Marvin Jones on his own against Alexander, I can't get behind that. Totally understand, even with the Packers uh, potentially running up another big number on the Lions this week. Let's get back to that Pittsburgh and Buffalo game. Uh, Brandon, want to talk to you about Juju Smith-Schuster. And actually, we're going to stick in this game. Look a little bit down the sheet, Jake, for your next guy. Uh, 6.38 yards per target for Juju Smith-Schuster on the season. Last four, 4.35 yards per target. We've talked so much about Pittsburgh replacing the run game with the short passing game. It's almost as though Juju is their de facto running back catching all these short passes passes uh, is that a good thing a bad thing I mean what is that for Juju and what does it mean for his matchup with the Bills this week yeah it's kind of league dependent right like a standard league he's not good I mean not great uh you know he's he's it's weird a guy averaging six catches per game hasn't had a hundred yard game this year he has you know he has found the end zone six times and he gets he's getting the catches and um you know he's pretty much it's hard to sit in the half PPR, full PPR sense. You're not going to get rich, but he's going to give you a decent floor. And he's been doing that. And I just don't know how you sit him in any kind of PPR bumped fashion. The the, the matchup's fine. So I, I think you're just rolling with Juju as kind of a, you know, as kind of a our, like a wide receiver three. He's actually, I believe, right on the wide receiver two cusp. He's basically averaged the same amount of half PPR points as Cooper Cup. In Cooper Cup, you're pretty much throwing in your lineup every week. I think you got to do the same thing with Juju. Cole Beasley, the guy who I want to talk about, and this is a guy who I was hinting at back when we were talking about uh, the quarterbacks in this game and how I want to start basically everyone who's fantasy relevant. Cole Beasley, nine for nine catches on 11 targets, 130 and a touchdown a week ago. That was his second 100-yard-plus touchdown game in his last three. We've seen this Bills offense really get going of late, and they've really had some huge passing games this season it's a totally different offense than from the one it was in 2019 so Jake the question here is is Cole Beasley too big a part of what is a very strong passing game to sit him even understanding that Pittsburgh is a much different defense than what Buffalo saw last week so you just kind of said it no I don't think it is uh this matchup and yes it was Terry McLaurin's first bad game in the season and I'm not saying you know Terry McLaurin he's also kind of almost on his island you know Cam Sims is making noise but Cam Sims is your number two is not what you want but I bring all that up to say that's the concern of facing the Pittsburgh defense something I've been saying this entire year the good news is that they are very beatable in 20 plus yard plays for receivers so I lean more to Davis in this game game who is getting the full John Brown lineup treatment over Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley has been up and down and he's had some really nice ups and but he's also had some very low downs. I don't think this is necessarily set up to be a Cole Beasley game. I have him down with Juju Smith-Schuster as a low end wide receiver three and I'm not, I don't have Davis over him but I'd be tempted to go Davis over him. All right, Brandon, your last receiver here, Antonio Brown against the Minnesota Vikings. He appears to be running a clear third uh, in the wide receiver group. Rob Gronkowski obviously not going away. Is there enough juice in Tampa Bay's offense to still play Antonio Brown this week? Uh, you know, I just don't – I'm just not getting too excited. I watch, watch what, you know, he's doing. You don't see a lot of, you know, big play upside. They're kind of just – 
you know, hitting him on crossers and, and, and he seems like he's kind of settling into that five for 50 kind of role. Um, and I just expect him in, in any given game to be the number three guy in that passing. And that's kind of where I'm at. You can throw him in as your, as a back end wide receiver three, as a back end kind of top 40 guy. But, uh, you know, we're, we're, this is not, this is not primetime Antonio Brown anymore. You're not getting rich with this guy. And so I kind of go into every, every game kind of expecting sort of around the same thing. And that's where I'm at with Minnesota this week. One more receiver to bring us home here, Jake. It is you with Kiki Kuti. Eight catches, nine targets, 141 yards a week ago. Tough matchup in that game against the Colts. Tough matchup once again this week with the Bears. Can he follow it up with another uh, performance that at least has you comfortable playing him as a wide receiver three? Mm, yeah, I actually have him right there in the Cole Beasley, Juju Smith-Schuster range. Is a little bit lower of a ceiling, kind of some volume. Uh, my biggest concern we mentioned on Monday is we already saw the Colts destroy the offensive line and get after Deshaun Watson time and time and time and time and time again. And you tell me Akeem Hicks and the Bears can't do the same thing. So I'm concerned. And I would obviously have more concerns for Brandon Cooks because that means he doesn't have as much time to get open and move downfield. So this could help QT in this matchup. So yeah, I'd still say wide receiver three. And I would, you know, if you told me odds and I can go bet in Vegas that he's not going to hit hundred yards again, I would definitely take that bet. <laughs> All right, guys, let's wrap things up here. Week four, I want one week 14 prediction. Uh, we've been doing this the last few weeks, so hopefully you've had it ready in your mind. Obviously, I mean, not before, but you've been thinking about it. A week 14 prediction, something slightly off the board that you are ready to stand by. Either of you could take this away first. Go ahead. <laughs> Who wants it? I, I, Brandon I will say that. ready. <laughs> um, yeah, I will say either Cam Akers or J.K. Dobbins doesn't finish in the top 30 running backs. Uh, is that is that strong enough? Pick one. I'll say it's RB3. I don't know if I really yeah, that that's what I was going to say. That is, the 30 is strong, but yeah, pick one. I'm with, I'm with yeah. Mike on that one. You can't, you can't be like, I'll take. Uh, pick okay, Cam Akers. No trust. <laughs> Cam Akers. There you go. Okay. All right, Jake, what do you got? Is it strong enough to say Nick Chubb won't finish as an RB1 this week? Is that, R, is that strong enough? I think that's strong enough. Yeah, yeah I think that's strong enough. There you go. Considering, Good I don't know show. that he, has he finished outside the RB one range in any game where he wasn't hurt. Like I don't, I don't know. That's that's so. why that's why I said that's why I was thinking it was strong enough. That's so. I, but I wanted yeah. to check yeah. and ask. I think that's good. I think that's good. So we've got uh, – I'll, I'll give a positive one then. Since you guys have both gone negative, I'll <laughs> give a positive one here. Um, give me – I'll stick at the running back. We'll stick at running back. I will say Jonathan Taylor gives you a top five running back week this uh, this week. Love the matchup with the Raiders. Love the fact that his last two healthy games, he's been clearly the favored back for Frank Reich. I know it's Frank Reich. I know it's this Colts offense. But I will say Jonathan Taylor turns in a top five performance at the running back position this week and our hope is that this helps you turn in a top performance in your fantasy football playoffs for week 14 we are going to call it a show here on this episode of the athletic fantasy football podcast it is the gift giving season and you can do that with us right here at the athletic go to the athletic.com slash fantasy football pod get yourself a subscription if you don't already have one and then get one for free that you can gift to a friend a family member an enemy if maybe you're trying to uh, bridge a gap basically anyone out there who wants access to the best sports journalism that you can access get it with us here at theathletic.com slash fantasy football pod for jake seeley and brandon funston i am michael beller athletic fantasy football podcast back with you tomorrow nando defino jake and eric moody the three of us will be back with you on monday to take a look back at week 14 and ahead to week 15 until then thanks for listening and have a great day